Welcome to the fifth episode for UC Davis Career and Translatividad, course for summer of 2021 taught by Professor Joshua Renwine. My name is Yasmin, and today we are joined with Tony, Alyssa, and Guadalupe. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Hi, everyone. My name is Alyssa, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Hi, everyone. My name is Tony. I use he, him, his pronouns. And I'm Guadalupe, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And today we will be discussing heteronormativity and its influence on how pride is celebrated. But before we begin, we would like to give a quick disclaimer. We are in no way professionals in this area. We are currently students and are looking to share what we have interpreted from this course with others and are open to further discussion. So to begin with, what is heteronormativity? Uh, personally, how I interpreted heteronormativity is just the establishment of straightness being privileged and therefore othering queerness. Um, heteronormativity attempts to establish a dominance and a truth, uh, this truth being that straight is privileged and therefore making queerness perverse. Um, yeah, to add to that, I would say, yeah, just in different words that to be heterosexual is to be normal or correct, and to be outside of that is to be abnormal or somehow wrong or perverse. Uh, it's kind of also like in the name, like heteronormativity, so like being heterosexual has been so normalized in society that like anything other than straight is morally wrong. Yeah, so when I think about heteronormativity, I think about it being the norm, being heterosexual is the norm. And like you said, it's basically in the name, like normal. And just heterosexuality being the superior sexuality. And um, I don't know, when were you guys introduced to this term? I think definitely understanding and like hearing heteronormativity uh, was a new like phrase introduced to me, definitely in higher education and me and uh, my experience here at Davis. But I think growing up, I experienced it um, in the way that I interacted with my environment, being my family, my friends, my community, um, and just certain expectations being placed upon, you know, gender norms, um, what's natural. Yeah, same here. I feel like I experienced it my whole life, but I didn't know of it. I didn't know it was a thing until now, literally like until like the last month, you know, which is crazy to me. Yeah, similar to Tony and Yasmin, I feel like I have lived it my whole life, but it's never had like a title or a word until I started college, which when I was introduced to so many texts, so many different thinkings. And yeah, it's really been eye opening. It has. I think it's also interesting to touch on the fact that it being something that we just got introduced to but have experienced all our lives kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that heteronormativity is something that's normally, well, it's normalized and it's supposed to be understood as something that's just, just a truth. That's something that everyone is supposed to just accept and not question or look into. Um, so I think that's why you know, when we are introduced to it in our higher education, it comes to a shock to us that we don't know that we're participating in it. 
Yeah, it's seen as innate or just um, the way to be or the way things are, which is, and especially if like, if we're, when we're younger, we don't really question the world around us, especially if it's so like permeated in our experiences. So, yeah. Yeah, just so crazy how it's been embedded into our lives. And um, I remember Berlant Warner stating that it was this sanitized space. It was a sentimental feeling, an immaculate behavior, and a space of pure citizenship. And I'm just like, what? It's so disgusting, you know? The things we, like, live growing up without even knowing of. I don't know. It just it gets me every time. Yeah. And then just to touch on the fact that, you know, there's always that argument of, we're a newer generation and we're exposed to new ideas. Um, but I think so much of like what culture has taught us and like what our past generations have taught us, once we do go into higher education, it's seen as like something that's radical. Or if we come back home to our parents and try to teach them these new ideas, it seemed like looked upon as like disrespectful that, mm-hmm. oh, now that you have a degree, like you think that you know more than me. So I think that's a big um, issue that I've come across uh, once like taking these courses and learning about all these uh, topics is learning how to communicate this information um, to where it's understood by my past generations. Yeah, I find it like very difficult to talk to my family about these subjects just because it wasn't even mentioned around in my house, you know? And when I, I do talk about stuff like this, they go, oh, la estudiosa, you know, or aquí viene la abogada to defend others and stuff. And I'm just like, you know, what is wrong with you? Yeah, and I think that plays into the issue of like accessibility and even privilege, because not everyone has the privilege of attending higher education and being exposed to just different perspectives. No, yeah, for sure. And I think it's also interesting how you know, culturally speaking, these topics are translated sometimes very similarly. Um, I know growing up in a Latino household, there were certain expectations um, of what was expected of me, what was expected of, you know, a successful individual in the United States. Um, That meant, you know, having a family, having a good job, having kids, and obviously that implying that, you know, I was straight, and that I wanted to have kids. Um, And just to not comply to that was somehow seemed as shameful. And I think it's interesting how culture teaches queer youth that they have to carry that shame with them as well. And just going off of that also, I think it's the reason I mention it um, is because I feel like a lot of times because of this carried shame, uh, queer youth isn't allowed to celebrate themselves and therefore feels like they're not allowed to be perceived publicly. Um, And like a major event that always happens every year is obviously Pride. This being an event centered around visibility and representation. Um, And I feel like a lot of times this space is often centered around cisgendered white queer individuals coming maybe from different backgrounds where it's not seen in the same lens and maybe the same shame isn't carried upon with that added, you know, layer of race. 
Yeah, and I think it's also important to point out when we're talking about pride is that it began as a riot or a protest um, in the 1970s. So it has drastically changed to what we know of it now. I was just going to ask if you guys participated in pride or, or, you know, what is the first thing you think of when you hear pride? Personally, myself, I've never participated in pride. Um, a big reason for that being that carried shame for so much of my life. Um, I felt like celebrating myself wasn't allowed. Um, and so I've never participated in pride. And therefore, the reason why, like the first thing that comes to mind when I do think of pride is a cisgendered white twink, uh, for lack of better words. Um, very privileged in the sense that their whiteness allows them access to visibility, to be public, to be perceived. Yeah, when I also think of pride, I also just picture like a, a white, like the face of pride is white person. But even like, I myself don't find an interest in participating in pride because I just don't feel like it represents me or the struggles I face like as a Latina woman. Like, it's just like you can't for like queer people of color it's not just sexuality because there's also factors of race and economic issues and social issues that have correlations with our sexualities rather when it's just like a white person it's just sexuality for me when i think of pride i immediately um think of like a corporation like amazon or google um, putting up little flags or having merchandise is really colorful and bright and attention grabbing. And that plays, that goes back to the idea of palpability in pride and like being family friendly, which is, yeah, just completely different from its original intent. Yeah, I love how you touched on that, Guadalupe, because I think it's interesting how queerness has been something that's been attempted to be presented as palatable and also profitable, um, where we've discussed how corporations during the Pride Month will, you know, stamp a gay pride flag over their logo and, you know, make a small donation to an LGBTQ plus organization and call it a day after the month is over. Um, and that's what I think is the most frustrating part of Pride is that it attempts to, you know, claim that progress is being made but the question is for who you know when if we really think about it pride is not representative of you know inclusivity and equality with it only taking into account the privilege those who are allowed to be seen yeah for me when i think about pride i i actually don't really like the concept of it because they shouldn't be celebrated just for one month. And then once that month is over, it's over. You get me? Like, it should be something that should be every single day. And the fact that they need to be celebrated, I, I you know, it just should be normal. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I think of. It can be performative, too, because there would be, like, people that would claim to be allies. And they'd be like, yeah, I attended Pride. But then they'll participate in, like, everyday actions or, like, support corporations or just them personally like like be homophobic in some way but like I went to pride so I don't know it's like it can be very very performative for like straight allies I guess you can say and then also like white 
queer white people within the community as well because they're like it's not just me at pride i also see a few black people a few latino people so i just pride itself to be very performative yeah um touching on like the performative aspect of pride i think it's interesting how you know how it's celebrated here um and it's presented us you know this liberal awakening where you know representation is allowed but yet spaces are made aside to accommodate straight families or children um, when pride is happening in that same neighborhood. Um, I know it was mentioned in the reading, Who's Your Daddy, where parks had signs where it stated that adults could not be there without children. And therefore, you know, attempting to scandalize pride to protect, and I say that in quotations, impressionable youth. And so, while, you know, there's this claim that, you know, yeah, have pride, you know, you're seen, I respect you. That sends a complete opposite message where not only does it limit what a family can be, because in attempt to, you know, perverse queerness, it's also saying, oh, well, this will keep the gays away because, you know, who's, what gay family is going to have a child? You know, it limits the boundaries of what a family can be while also upholding, you know, that stereotype that pedophilia and queerness are synonyms. So going back to heteronormativity, how do you guys think we could challenge that concept? I think a really great way to challenge that is to start with our youth and to start with the institutions and foundations already implying straightness as normal. Um, specifically our education systems. There's a clear lack of queer sex ed in our curriculums, thus forcing queer youth to be invisible, to carry that shame and to think that they're not allowed to participate in sex because in not learning about it or keeping it out of curriculum because it may be disruptive or doesn't apply to the majority, they're being told that their experiences, their sexual experiences specifically don't matter. And therefore, thus limiting what sex can be and what family can be. So I think maybe that being a first step, you know, getting into our curriculum that queer people exist. For me, I think, um, yeah, I should also start with children and families or like parents and guardians and do away with the double standard of whenever they see public displays of affection between homosexual couples and it say, and then they say, oh no, they're perverting our children. What is this doing to the children? There should also be that same standard for a heterosexual couple. It shouldn't just be a one-sided issue. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's really important to start at a young age because that is when, you know, our brains are developing and we're getting all our knowledge, knowledge together and stuff. So I feel like it, it is really important to start off at a young age and incorporating that into education. I think it's a, a great way to start. I think in media as well, because movies and like especially like superhero movies that like so many younger people watch and find representation of some sort a lot of them are like cis straight characters cis white straight characters maybe like implementing more diverse well not forcefully 
in some way naturally more diversity regarding like the different characters with different sexualities and experiences and identities would also help dismantling I guess heteronormativity yeah that was those were all really great points that y'all brought up um and with that on behalf of all of us we would like to take the time to thank you for listening to our podcast uh we hope that this information shared can help you in any way to have a better understanding or even introduction to the topics presented. Until next time, thank you.